Welcome to Bite Size Therapy with Dr. Brian Rosino. My name is Pete, and today we're going to talk about are things the same or are they different? What should you be worried about? Hey, disclaimer, we don't give the medical advice. We're here to uh, leave that for your personal professional. Dr. Brian, long time, my friend. What's going on, man? You oh, know what's going same on. Old, same old, same old, literally. You're going on. You've got it going on, buddy. I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to say. Hey, Dr. Raz, I used to shower at night as a kid. Then I started showering in the morning. The difference has been night and day. Hey, Dr. Good. Hey, hey, Dr. Raz, how does, the non, how does a non-binary samurai kill people? They slash them. I told my wife she needs to start embracing her mistakes, so she hugged me. All right, now that we got Dang. that out of the way. Man, you have, man, boom, boom, boom. You're like uh, Don Rickles here. <laughs> we're just, that's a little content we're, we're storing up. D- yeah. Doctor, so, I, I so got to work on mine. I had a few, I had a few in the can, but I, I can't, I can't recall them right now because I haven't brushed up on them. Oh. Um, but go ahead. I'll, so I'll, I'll bring, I'll bring that game later. You can count on me. So, so Dr. Raz, has anything changed? Like what, from the people that are coming in, you know, you've been in practice 25 years. What's changed or is it all the same? <laughs> you know, it's, I think, um, I think it has changed. I think, uh, you know, there are some versions that, you know, we're sort of just, it's got a different face to it, you know, or, or a different name to it, but it's kind of the same thing. But I do think things have changed in, in significant, significant ways in the same ways that, you know, life's going to change when you go to an automobile from a horse and uh, a horse drawn carriage. Right. I mean, yeah. your life's going to change or the railroad, you know, I mean, suddenly you can get to a place in a day and a half that would have taken you three months to get to. And so, you know, that, that things are different. Um, and, we're sort of, we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, what are the ways that we need to work? What are the things that are different right now that we need to worry about one with, with teenagers and kids. And, you know, obviously the, the fear du jour is technology and the impact that the technology has on our kids and, and, and all of us really. Right. And that's the one thing that, you know, arguably has shifted, shifted everything. You know, we need to rethink, Everything. Some people, some people think that like it's kind of like technology is like what fire was to early man. You know, it's sort of like that much of a change, that much of a shift. I think so, but I do think that I do think that there are some things that we can go back to that are uniquely human, uh, time honored, or time have have stood the test of time in terms of uh, the way that we address some of these issues, for example, you know, one of the things that I was, I was actually, I'm actually in the midst of writing this book, hopefully drawing to a close writing this book. One of the big fears that is out there right now for, for, for many young people and their parents is how do we prepare them to go out into the world that's so competitive and changing so fast? How are they going to be, how are they going to get a job? How are they going to survive when what they're learning today may not be useful tomorrow, right? They call them uh, perishable skills. Mm -hmm. It goes to, you know, if you think about police officers or anybody that works in an industry where, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? And the risks or the stakes are really high. 
for losing those skills. For example, police officers, you know, how to handcuff somebody or how to, how to detain somebody. But those are things that like most of the time, police officers, what they do is they pull people over for traffic or they're sitting in their cars. They're not doing those things. And so those skills are perishable. They have a short shelf life. So you need to reboot those. You need to, you know, you need to continually, uh, you know, refresh yourself on those. The same is true for a number of skills though, that we're finding, existing jobs today, like, you know, people using certain programs or, uh, you know, coding uh, that is no longer going to be applicable. And it's one of those things where people, you know, you see these scary headlines where computers are going to be doing jobs of, you know, half the population in 20 years, stuff like that. And so it makes people really, really anxious about, you know, what's in the future. And it also makes, it makes a lot of the young people question, like, why am I, you know, you know, the old, I mean, this is something that hasn't changed. Why do I need algebra, right? Like, why, why do I need to take algebra? It's a fair question, you know? I mean, there's- Yeah, what is the answer? Even, what is the algebra? <laughs> about ter- well, I'll I trade said- you algebra for personal finance. Why don't the kids just take learn how to balance a, a checkbook, right. even though there are no such things as checkbooks anymore? What's the difference between parents uh, in 2022 and parents in 1966? I think the parents of today are more like "quote unquote" helicopter parents than the ones in '66. Shouldn't we have better kids? Absolutely. Now? Shouldn't we have better kids? Is that what the question was? <laughs> like no problems, no that. issues. The parents are all no always problem. here. <laughs> yeah, uh, meanwhile, the suicide rates for adolescents are higher than ever before. Right? Man, it's. Uh, I think uh, so. A couple of things. One is, uh, you know reorienting to you know what are we teaching and and what are the life skills that uh kids need right and do are they being shortchanged those life skills uh because of their exposure to check technology case in point social skills and how to talk to other people and how to negotiate with other people and compromise and get along and cooperate and empathize and those are like essential skills those are those are things that are non-perishable skills but they're skills that like you know, emotional intelligence type skills that arguably will serve people really, really well across disciplines. Um, And also, you know, the ability to like, you know, take negative feedback, take criticism, deal with setbacks, being able to sort of step back from a problem and and realize that, you know, uh, there might be different ways to look at it, you know, and and it's, you know, your inability to solve something right now may not reflect your ability to solve it tomorrow. you know, those are all those are all like non-perishable skills that are like really important to continue to teach our kids, right? So the big the big thing that I get concerned about is like what's happening to that. You know, we are so we are so focused on this uh, this technology and the demands of the workplace and all this stuff that we place a lot of emphasis on all these activities and classes for our kids and scheduling and scheduling them to to set them up for the future and you know, my, my one concern is like, are we, are we shortchanging something really essential, right? Like the ability to connect with another person and, you know, from a different background and like understand that other person and and have that person understand us and, you know, work together collaboratively. A lot of teenagers are, they don't feel like they have a purpose. They don't, it's not real clear, like what, is going to give them a meaningful life. I think that's one of the big things 
with all the comforts we do, we're, we're so good at making ourselves comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. We can take care of every little ailment. There's an aspirin for this, or there's a, there's a, a pill for that, or, you know, you can get it on demand or, you know, it's, it's something that's been automated. I mean, we've, we've been gotten so good at taking care of every little comfort and, and also like, it's better to have more right? It's better to have more and to have the latest fault, the latest technology, this, all of these things get chased down as a source of happiness. What's going to make me happy. It's good. What's going to make me fulfilled. And I think it, for a lot of kids, it ends up being empty. You know, they don't really have, they're not oriented in a way, they're not oriented to things that are going to give them a sense of meaning or purpose. That's what I think. And I think, I think, you know, we kind of have to go back to that, you know, and we have to, we have to sort of uh, figure out ways that ways to help our kids find their own meaning, find their own purpose. In order to know that it's good to have more, you have to compare it against something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the old days, you didn't know if you were poor unless, you know, some rich kid moved in the block because you're just comparing it to your, yeah. to, to your neighbors or, or, or whatever. Um, yeah. how, mu- how much of a role does the media come into play? Because the media, in, in order for them to be valuable, they have to have people looking at whatever the content is and you have to advertise. And unfortunately, negative sells more than positive. So there's an, yeah. a, a natural bias toward, towards putting negative headlines. And there's more media that's out there I believe the kids are sleeping less than 25 years ago and they're consuming more content than 25 years ago. So if you're sleeping less, you have the degrees on the wall. You understand what that means to, you know, an adolescence Uh development. And then if you're sleeping less and you're uh, becoming compromised mentally, and then you're going to these media platforms and you're being, you're comparing yourself against somebody else. That, that's a double whammy. I see that as something that's, it's been, it was the same, say 25, 50 years ago, for instance, I believe it used to be that um, the, the females, uh, the, the magazines were pitched towards the, the females, the glamour magazines and whatnot, you know, say whatever you want, sexist or whatnot, but everything that was portrayed in sure. there that was the yeah. Instagram back there that, that you're going to compare your body or your, you know, your, your lifestyle right. to. Right. So how, however often that publication came out, that's when the cycle would start. Oh man, I'm bummed. Now that cycles every five minutes. Right. So it's the same thing that's going on, but it's like, oh man, negative image, negative image, or comparing myself against that. There's no way I can look like that. I'm not worth it. Um, and I think there's more, um, uh, clicks more social entities where people can be a part of to feel like you know they, they belong i i cyber I think communities right that but even you know throwing the pronouns in there whether you like them or not i mean that's a, just yeah. another branding so you feel like you belong because before the before the internet you know you joined a club you joined a gang you join you know whatever so you feel like you're, you're part, part of something. And now there, there, you know, there's more choices, more options and are, are 
are these kids or even people in general, they're looking for this higher purpose and they find out, wait, what I've been told isn't true. I don't believe anything anymore. What do I trust? And then they need right. to get guidance and they go see you. Is that what happens? <laughs> In a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I wasn't around, obviously. And, you know, I wasn't a functioning adult in the 60s or even a teenager. Uh, so I can't really comment subjectively on what the experience was. But, you know, I mean, people, these magazines, you know, used to be stacks of National Geographic in people's houses. And, you know, you, you look at these magazines over and over and over again, you know, for better or worse. Uh, so, yeah, you'd get continually, you, you get those images that way. But I do think that, uh, yeah, there's there's access to information uh, that is unprecedented, you know, information that is, you know, presented, packaged in, in many different ways, uh, but it's very consumable. It's easily consumed. I was at a, I was at a um, Little League baseball game uh, a week ago for my daughter and uh, a couple of, you know, they do the chants on the side, uh, yeah, you, yeah, know, yeah. you know, little chants about the other team or whatever. And uh, <laughs> they like there's a couple more. They do. They okay, do right. actually. Good. Yeah. I was, I was surprised. Um, but uh, there were a couple of kids and they were, you know what they were singing? They were singing the tune to an insurance company that they like, like Allstate or, or something, State Farm or something. And it was like, it had a, it had a catchy yeah. jingle to it. Right. I mean, it's just like what companies do, right. They mm -hmm. have these earworms, we call them earworms. So they just like, they stick with you and hopefully influence you. And uh, I was like, man, these companies really know what they're doing because these kids, not only are the, is, do these kids have it now, but they're out singing it. And everybody else hears it now right yeah, and so yeah. it's just like in it's in the atmosphere and now their parents listen to it you know as they white knuckle it on the way home <laughs> and as they comes from the back of the back of the car whatever you know but i do think that there's something there's there's an appropriate analogy there for just like what happens with the spread of information and how it's packaged and like these kids are influencing it, you don't need somebody to be in front of a computer anymore to be influenced by what's on the computer. You just need to be around the people that saw that thing on the computer, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're doing it because you you you're got you're hanging out with a clique that knows this the, this song or sings this cool song yeah, with, yeah. Oh, nationwide, nationwide you, on my side, nationwide. Okay, yeah, I like that nationwide. And pretty soon you're saying these things. You don't know what the hell it means. You never saw the commercial, right? So you become this, you know, you become a right. carrier. Yeah. So um, it does, you can't get away from it, right? And I think one of the biggest things though, that uh, there is there is that, what you were talking about was like the old concept in sociology of relative deprivation, right? It's the person that, it's the person that, uh, uh, the Wire used to do this. The old show, The Wire, used to do this. They'd have they 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 pan up right from the urban setting. You'd see trash on the side. You see maybe a homeless person coming by, someone coming out of a, a a bombed out building, and then there'd be this billboard of this white guy or this or this uh, really cool looking dude with like uh, you know a cell phone or like living in a beautiful house. 
and you know he's drinking he's drinking this alcohol or whatever and it's like perfect you know that's relative deprivation you see what is considered somebody else has and it's that's the good life and you don't have it but here it is come get it right and it creates you know and that was the idea of the show you get these guys who are trying to make money to yeah, yeah. life right they're, they're chasing that down so you know and that's and that is a real experience with our kids and i think that one of the things that happens particularly with teenagers is there is a bit of a hazing you know i mean like did you ever have like when you were when you were coming up did you ever have like shoes gym that you shoes wanted? gym or, shoes yeah gym shoes like jordan's pay less pay less <laughs> <laughs> yeah pay less I remember I got my first pair of Pumas with the fat laces and all that yeah, stuff. And, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was over the moon, man. I was like, this is going to change my life. I belong. You know? Yeah, I belong. People are going to be like, Rosino is cool after all, you know? Yeah. Actually, it didn't do <laughs> nothing. Did nothing to move the needle on that. Um, but the same is true. The same is true today. But now it's just like Apple 14. You know, yeah. What, you know, I have kids who want to know what kind of Apple Watch I have. You know, yeah. And depending on the type of Apple Watch, like if I have the top of the end, uh, uh, they're looking for the top of the end. Yeah. And I, 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 I was wearing, I'm wearing a version that's like kind of medium end. And I remember one kid was like, "Oh, that's really cool. Which one is it?" And I said, "You know, the standard or whatever." And he's like, "Oh, you didn't get the, you didn't get the right." <laughs> Dude, you have no idea. This thing is awesome. It's amazing. You're branded, yeah. man. Yeah. But so, it's like, <laughs> well, in that respect, it hasn't changed. I think it hasn't changed there, but there's the, the nature of it has, you know, the way in which um, the types of things, there's many more of them, you know, there's, 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 uh, I mean, God forbid you're a kid that doesn't have access to a computer. You know, right. Much less a cell phone. Well, we're talking you know. about ne negativity because, uh, you know, there's been the experiments out there. You put a positive uh, story out, a negative story, and people read the negative story first. You're the psychologist. For whatever reason, you know, people, you know, go towards it. But on the positive side of the internet, or it could be a negative you know, the dopamine, and when you get that like, or if you post something and it's accepted, you get, you know, that's a, that's a, a new wave pat on the back, that a boy, that a girl, hey, great job, you know. But then you, you fight to get that over and over and over, and you get addicted to it and throw in the, the, the no sleep. How does that constant striving, you know, to get that, uh, because your screen, the screen time, I mean, what's the number you're using now? I've seen 10 hours a day that kids are have screen time. But if that's 10 hours a day where you have this stuff, you know, going at it, that can't be a positive thing. That has to be different than it was years ago. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, the studies, it depends on how they define screen time. You know, there are different definitions of that. Um, where, you know, it's, you're watching television, 
are you what kind of television are you watching? Are you watching cable or are you watching, you know, some subscription subscription thing or whatever? Or are you on your computer? Are you doing Minecraft? Like Minecraft, kids can spend three, four hours easily on Minecraft. Not, I mean, like, and it's just like that's like routine because there's so much like building and 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 you know, arguably creative stuff going on there. Um versus somebody who is three hours on Instagram or three hours on TikTok. I mean, those would be very different outcomes, I would imagine. Um, so, yeah. Or, or Fortnite. I mean, we haven't even talked about Fortnite. social gaming. I mean, that's the new way of hanging yeah. out. Um, yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah, but I mean, which, which I'm jealous. I wish I had that when I was a kid. That sounds like so cool to me, being able to like get together with a bunch of your friends and like go on a mission and blow stuff I up. Thought, I, mean, uh, I thought you did have that, Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. That's right. I had some of that. Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons was great. I can never find anybody that really knew how to play though. It was really kind of a kind of a secret society in some ways. Does anybody really know um, how to play that game? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's still it's still alive and well. Yeah. There's still, I don't know if it's more. I don't know if there are more people that play it now than ever. I think it's always kind of just been like this, this solid percentage of, of people that that gravitate to that to that game um but, but what what is that the new social environment of hanging out like i see my my nephews they just look they don't sleep as it is and whatever chance they could get to sleep they're putting it in the fortnight <laughs> they're getting two hours sleep at night and you know they, they you can't wake them up in the morning i mean they're the next day they're falling asleep on uh, on the sofa doesn't that eventually yeah. catch up with you? Yeah, I think it does. Um, I think it does. And, and uh, you know, you, I think that there's a lot to be said for parent, parents structuring, coming in and, and limiting those things. Um, you know, like I, my kids, like my kids aren't that old. You know, they're yeah. uh, going to be nine and going to be 11 in like a month here. And uh, they uh, have play dates and people, they will bring their iPads over or they'll bring their Chromebooks over so that they can sit and they can play these games on a play day together, side by side, mm -hmm. you know, which I'm fine with for part of the play day. Right. Like, but you guys, you guys aren't, I mean, my wife and I are, we're together on this so that if yeah. one of us is here and the other isn't, we enforce this, you guys aren't going to spend the whole play day doing this, you know? So like you can, you can do this for an hour and then, the electronics go off, you got to find something else to do, right? I'm not going to determine what that is, right? But there, we know that there are houses that they go over to where that's not the case, right? And so we just sort of have to, we just sort of have to bite the bullet. And, you know, they, we know that when they go over to that house that they may, you know, end up playing the game longer. Now, one of the things that does happen, though, is that they will come back and say, yeah, they just, they just want to play the computer all the time though, you know, and they'll be a little frustrated with it because they've actually, they, and I, I don't know what the other, what's going on at the other house, but I know that for these guys, they've actually developed to the point where like, like the computer stuff, they realize it's no longer fun. It's not, I'm not enjoying it. Right. Like I've been doing it for an hour, hour and a half and I'm like kind of done right? They can feel that, right? Like, eh, just kind of, the, and they want to go do something else. And they know that doing something else, like going upstairs and, and 
one daughter likes crafts and stuff like that, or even just like messing around with a dog or something like that, that that is like, that's what they have a desire. Like that's going to be gratifying, but being on the computer any longer, no, it's not going to be gratifying. And I, I, hopefully I think that that's because we've tried to structure it in a way from a very, from an early standpoint where they can experience how gratifying and, and like important it is to go out and play or to play with, you know, toys or other things where they're using their imagination, they're actually engaging with the concrete environment and people around them, right? And so they have now, it's like, you know, it's like any, it's like a diet, you know, when you, when you, when you grow up eating and drinking certain things, you begin to crave them later, right? And your body begins to crave them. And that's, it's similar, I think, with, with these guys. So, um, you know, I think that there's, I, I'm not somebody, I'm not a, like a Puritan. I think that there's a place for this stuff. And I think it could be, can be a really healthy place, but we are in a, like, we are like with many other substances and, and experiences, we have to, we have to guard and regulate them with our kids. It's up, it's, there's, there's a, it's up to parents individually to do that. You know, we could get into a conversation about corporations and you know what their responsibility is but you know that's not where I work I work with parents and I work with the kids so you know that's that's the place that I start and also talking with them about how doing that is actually to get back to what we were talking about earlier it's gonna it's gonna teach them so many not non-perishable skills it's gonna teach them so many important life skills right that interactions with computers, even if it, even if it's social gaming, it's going to give them things that that stuff won't give them. Right. And so it's, you know, it's just one of these things that's like really, really valuable. So what is a healthy amount of time for a kid in grade school to, you know, be on the screen? Cause you know, parent be on a screen, <laughs> you know, parent, I mean, parents the, are- if you look at the American Academy of Pediatrics, it's an hour, they say 60 minutes a day. Right. Yeah. that's that's their goofing around you know, time that school that or just hours. yeah that's total. that's that's free time that's okay. yeah that's like what and any kind of screen that's screen that's like watching tv or that's playing a computer game it's, it's but it's in addition to to that but you know yeah they're going to be doing other stuff computer wise or or screen wise related to school there's a number of learning programs and then how do you like I remember my kid, he's 30 now, but you know, when he, inter- when he was coming up through the internet, I, I looked over his shoulder, but I didn't put any governors or anything on there. I, who, who knows what the hell he was looking at, but nowadays uh, it's way, way different. What rec- when do you start, when do you give the leeway to let the kids go look at whatever, or do you just from the beginning, they have, they can go on Google and do whatever. I don't think they should do it from the beginning for sure. And I think, um, I think that, you know, this is, there's a, this is one of those things that it's hard to make up a, be prescriptive on a general basis, because there is a lot of variability in, in the, in, you know, kids and their ability to kind of self-regulate and self-control, you know, you will have kids that are more, you know, bright and, and they self-regulate on their own. I mean, looking at my two kids, I've got two, like in this way, they're very different kids. I've got one kiddo that, like 
I can pretty much rely on her to self-regulate for the most part. I mean, she'll try to get away with stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, she'll, she'll overindulge. What's that? Test. Test. Yeah, she'll test. and Absolutely. But I've, then I've got another kid, like, that will just dive in and, like, like, you don't know when she's coming back because she just, like, she's, like, in this universe, right? And you have to kind of pull her back. And that's a, that's more of a temperamental thing. I mean, she's, she's got ADHD. She's more impulsive. Uh, she's sensation seeking. She's very, very active. And so for her, her temperament's just really different. Whereas my older child, she's more, she's more conscientious. She's more, uh, she tends towards being more anxious. She likes to follow rules. She's just like, that gives her comfort. Right. And so like she has her internal sort of um, her internal kind of model of, you know, how things should be done is just different than my other daughter. I believe my other daughter does have an internal model, <laughs> but it is different than, than the older one. And she just still, what part of it is age, but it definitely, it's a temperamental thing. So I think that's, that's something that like, you know, really comes down to the expertise of the parent and they, you know, when I talk with parents, like in many ways, they are the expert on their, their kid. They're, you know, and, and they're, they know way more about their kid than I do and, and probably ever will. So, you know, what, what, we start to do is we start to try to figure out, okay, now this, this is your kid. This is how your kid tends to behave. How do we match that up with a diet that's going to be helpful for them electronically? I think kids with the ADHD, I do think you need to stay more towards the hour, you know, the hour end of things. And you need to be careful about the timing of that stuff too, because their nervous systems are more likely to become dysregulated from exposure to electronics and, and games that are fast moving and stuff like that. You know, you, they can be afterwards be irritable or depressed or anxious, much more likely to feel that way because they have that already. They have that, that, that regulatory issue in their nervous system. Whereas, you know, kids that are tend to be more even keeled, even tempered, you know, you can, you can give them a little bit more room to, to run with it. They've, if they're reflective, they got some self-restraint, that sort of thing. But I still think you got to keep tight reins on it. I mean, you know, I've had kids who have been exposed to pornography just by first they got started looking at YouTube, you know. And what what it was is like somebody on YouTube, they didn't like, it's like, you know, this rabbit hole thing where they, they went from one thing to the next. There was there was a social media star, social influencer that they didn't know who it was. So they looked that person up and then they looked under the images and under the images were lots of other images, right? And some of them were not, they were not anywhere near what should have been there, right? Yeah, right. And so just one click away, right? And so that's, it's, that's where you get into that slippery slope. You still have to guard. I think that you, you know, there are wolves at the gate that'll come through if you don't have a fence up. You do have to have something there. It's a lot different from the days of just hiding your Playboys underneath your mattress. It is. Yeah. <laughs> or Swank magazine. <laughs> Swank cracked. <laughs> just Wait, I had an uncle that. I had an uncle that had a, he used to, he's a collector. He's one of these collector people and he had a collection of playboys. It was one of the things he collected and uh, Great articles. Yeah. 
yeah, we would just, you know, as kids, we'd always go over there and be like, what are these? You know, we always, Uncle Bill's got his Playboys. He's got his Playboys in the basement. You know, <laughs> it is a long way. <laughs> uh, difference between now and then, uh, a lot more sugar and corn nowadays, right? When is sugar and corn? Yeah, sugar, corn, corn syrup. Uh, mm. That, I want to say 25, 30 years ago. Definitely in the eighties, uh, you know, came into play. You think diet comes into a play, uh, for kids' mental health? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things that can really give you, give you a great advantage or a disadvantage, you know? Um, I remember, you know, when, when, uh, I, so I went to the grocery store the other day and they had these old, they, it was like, it, you know, Halloween's coming up. So they had these old throwback cereals. So they had Booberry, Count Chocula, Frankenberry. And I was like, oh, wow, these are, oh, this is like, brings me back. So I got eat one of each and I brought them through the door. You would not believe the look of death I got from my wife. <laughs> I didn't know She's that like, they were gone. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now here, let me just pour a bowl of sugar into your bowl. I mean, it's yeah, with, like, with marshmallows. <laughs> I'm sure that'll help ADHD. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I Blue it marshmallows. A of yeah. <laughs> here with your if, with your strawberry quick milk. Remember that quick? <laughs> oh my goodness! But that's that's. That's the stuff we used to. Uh, yeah, my mom used to buy that stuff. And which one do you want? You want the Frankenberry? You want the Count Chocula? And now it's just like, uh, you know, uh, and not even orange. There's a juice lot. That, no, there's a lot. What's that? Not and not even I'm, orange juice. That orange. Uh, oh, what was that? It was or, orange tang? sugar. <laughs> not tang? even tang. No, the uh, orangeade or whatever the heck that stuff was. Oh <laughs> yeah. So. Oh. So. Oh, that's like that's like church coffee hour juice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you go out there, you get the you get the sanka, you get a cup of sanka, and you got the old orangeade, right? With a with a oatmeal cookie that may or may not be uh, still good. So, Doc, we're talking about, you know, things have changed, but they've kind of stayed the same. It's just how you how you cope with it. What the what are some of the coping mechanisms? And we'll we'll wrap this one up. So I know. You, look, I was born in the 60s. Let's have people. Oh. Let's have people chime in on whether they've stayed the same, you know, like, well, you know, let's have people. Let's have people weigh in on this subject. Are they the same or are they different? You know, I mean, depends how old they are. You know what I mean? It's, it's, look, look, teenagers have always been pissed at their parents. Okay. <laughs> right. I think that's fair. That's right. fair. Sure. So if it's not the internet, it's a telephone. If it's not the telephone, it's the letter or the bicycle or whatever. You know, it's always been an issue. It's always been a control thing. It's always been a coming of age. And it's just, you know, how you how you cope with it and deal with it. And and that's kind of, I think maybe I think maybe okay. to that. I'll, I'll revise I, that because I think we revise. we are in a society. 
Well, we are in a society that's kind of like gradually redefined what it means to be a kid, what it means to be a teenager, right? I mean, like when we were on farms, like, you know, people had kids so that they could manage the farms, like, and, you know, their, their like value of life was like their calculation behind the value of life was like, like very different. So, you know, having a teenager that talked back to you, like, and, and told you they weren't going to do stuff like that just didn't, it, like, if it happened, it didn't happen for very long you know? And so, you know, there's, there's that, but the tendency, the drive is to separate and individuate. I think the extent to which we indulge that and how we indulge that, that's something that's, that's, it's evolving. It continues to evolve. I mean, there are people that like, you know, there's always the concern that, you know, they want to, they want to be friends with their teenagers. They don't want to be their parents, right? That's like the whole old, you know, thing. When that gets started, it probably in the 70s, right? Yeah. Um, before then, I don't think it was very common that a parent really had much interest at all in kind of befriending their child. Um, but ne- but you know, nowadays it's like you know, being the cool mom or being the cool dad, like there's something like to that, right? That that wasn't wasn't there before. So anyway, so go on, please. You well, the, say di- well the difference between Okay, you brought up the farm. Okay, a farm, that's a lot of acres and you don't have anything to compare it to. I don't know. How do you know if your dad's strict? Maybe they went to the schoolhouse and there was maybe six other kids there and I don't know what they were, you know, comparing themselves to. So, yeah, I hear what you, I, I hear, I hear what you're saying. But you're talking yourself into agreeing with me, aren't you? You're talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm just saying parent, there's always been a control thing with parents and kids. And there's a certain age where, you know, 13, 14, whatever it is. Now you're saying it's becoming younger and younger and younger. But there's got to be a point where, you know, a toddler isn't going to they're going to fight for control, but they're going to forget about it. in you know, two more minutes, there's got to be eventual line to draw where you're. <laughs> You can't have the the freedom of thought to go do do be allowed to do what you want to do, right? Right. Sure. I mean, I think yes. And but even if you look at like, there are ways in which we're trying to relinquish the control uh, control as much as we can, or, or or some people are trying to relinquish control as much as they can. I mean, if you look at things like like the Montessori method of education, I mean, that's a very much an education that's about empowerment and teaching your kids how to do stuff themselves, and it's like organic experiences, you know, not organic food, organic experiences. That is like, I'm going to learn things because I have to learn this in order to get that, this other thing that I need. Right. And so like setting up the environment in a way so that they have to interact and engage with it in a way where there's learning that's involved. that's just implicit to what they're doing. Right. And so that's a, that's like kind of fundamental to their philosophy. And it's, it's a way in which like, they're saying like, I don't want to be the one that's telling you how to do things because you're going to get over dependent on me. And then like, you're going to want me to tell you how to do these other things. And what I want you to do is I want you to be able to think for yourself. I want you to be able to figure these things out for yourselves, but we have to scale the problem to a level that's responsible, right? Like it's one that's challenging, but it's not too challenging where it's going to frustrate and overwhelm them. And, you know, it's one that doesn't require it's there's not a lot of risk that's involved. You know, it's, there's not, a, it's not, if they don't, if they fail on it, it's not a life or death thing. It's that they don't get the milk completely into their, into their bowl when they're poor and their cereal. 
that's that's something that we can manage, right? So it's about toggling between those. And we're learning to do that, I think, at younger ages with different things. And, you know, that that kind of that that's what's happening with here with teenagers, too. We're, and, and I think I think that we're realizing that there's there are ways to capitalize on, you know, certain things uh, that we know about, like, you know, human potential and this sort of thing. And so, you know, which kids do we need to, you know, pull back on more or which kids do we need to let run more? These are finer and finer distinctions. I think we're getting better at making, but that there is, there is the error of doing too much that continues to be something that I think many parents struggle with is it's, it's in the upper SES, we're kind of well-to-do, like middle middle class, but upper middle class too. Mm-hmm. It's like doing a lot for your kids where like, it's, it's, it's like a, it's a skill to be able to know what to give your kids to solve on their own, right? Like knowing, look, you don't, I don't need to do this, right? Because I can give it, I can, I can delegate it to them. And some people just, they don't know how to do that for whatever reasons, or they don't want to do that. You know, sometimes they just, they want to be, they want to be dependent on, they want to be needed. And so, you know, that's their way of keeping their kids in their little orbit, you know, but it doesn't serve them in the long run. It's like the dad doing everything for the kid's science project. You know? <laughs> You're not one of those. You got something you? you want to share, Pete? You got something you want to share? <laughs> I just want to win. <laughs> I don't care what my kid knows. I want the prize. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not how you make a rocket. That's oh. not how you make a winning rocket. Okay. Step right. aside here. Step aside. <laughs> Who cares if you blow your hand <laughs> off? So do you see a difference <laughs> with the uh, Montessori kids and the public school kids? Um, what we'd have to, we'd have to define what we mean by difference. Uh, I do think, yes, successfully. Uh, yeah. Thinking or coping skills or uh, critical thinking. You know, I think I think when it goes well, I think when when you have the right kid, you know, that has the right temperament and, you know, like there are some kids that are not a good match for a Montessori program because there's just way too much freedom. Like there are some kinds of ADHD kids or, or uh, kids that have autism. It's just it's not a program that's suited to them because they need way more structure and guidance than that. But kids that are more self-driven or self, um, they have they're more self-possessed um, and 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 self-regulated. They can do really well with that, you know, and and come out very confident. They have they have you know they're on, good entrepreneurs. They they uh, persevere uh, in the face of adversity. I mean, they they've learned these skills that are like how to rely on themselves and you know a certain confidence in their abilities. That's actually really cool to see. Dr. Brian Rosino, thank you for another engaging conversation uh, on bite sized therapy. Thank you, Mr. Jansons.